Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. It's Tuesday, November 29th. And I mean, I'm, I'm supposed to get you excited about the episode. Gotta say, whew, we have some names on the waiver wire. Always good. <laughs> Always good to be able to start the waiver wire episode off uh, with a name that 48 hours ago I wouldn't—I didn't even know this person existed. We'll get to all that, but of course, because it's the waiver wire episode, that means that joining me today to help dig through the mud in hopes of finding some gold is the peasant of pickups. Yes, you've been all the way. Oh, you're not even royal anymore, Andy Barons. You have been thrown out of the castle with the names that you have brought us here today, Andy. What's going on, buddy? Um, thoughts on your total demotion here by Lord Podcast? Yeah, honestly, I'd 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 argue the point a little bit, but um, the names are disgusting. I believe that every name we're going to we're going to mention today is at least a an active NFL player. Um, I think that's that's all I can, but that's all I can really promise you. Um, there, the, uh, to the best of my knowledge, there are no inactive or retired uh, players involved in this. The names are disgusting. Some of the disgusting names have had significant workloads attached to them recently, but the names are um, up and down the list. Absolutely disgusting. I have nothing good to say about that. I disavow them all. Well, okay. before we get into all that, a couple of things here. And first of all, Andy, I want to give you a chance off the top of the podcast, off of Josh Jacobs monster 300 uh, total yard game. Just take a look. Don't take a little victory lap, okay? Here for a second, Andy, because I, I look. I know that when people do this, I'm sure folks will come at me and be like, "No, here's a tweet from another another fantasy analyst. Like, look at this tweet. Don't for, that you surely saw because I see everybody's tweets and I read all of your articles and all of listen to all your beautiful podcasts. So I'm sure there are other folks that were excited about Josh Jacobs this year. But Andy, to my knowledge, you were the only one that was like, "Hey, goofballs! I know he's playing in the Hall of Fame game." But let's think about reality here for a second. Josh Jacobs is good at football, and you should draft him. Andy, victory lap here for a second off Josh Jacobs. Well, I, I mean, I feel like you hit the most important takeaway there, which is not even necessarily about Josh Jacobs. But um, at, at some point, 
I don't know what did this. Maybe maybe preseason DFS did this. I'm not sure what did it, but at some point we started taking pre. We went from like you know ten years ago, preseason is nothing. Nobody's scheming for anybody. We just got don't want guys getting hurt. No need to watch it. To um, preseason is the answer key. And, um, if you, if you pay close enough attention and you, you, you know, you're listening with an ear to the ground, you'll know exactly how the entire season will play out and you'll know exactly how everybody's used in, you know, September and October. And like, that's bullshit too. (laughs) Like, like (laughs) maybe the, maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. I would argue it still tilts toward the side of not paying much attention to preseason, but, um, but definitely Josh Jacobs playing in the Hall of Fame game was not a was not a clue to anything. Um, no. The other thing with Josh Jacobs is that like all roads should have led to him, like whether you're a, you know, hardcore game watcher because he's great because he's been great since he came into the league. He's been a joy to watch since he came into the league. This isn't even like the actual production in this particular game was new, but like Josh Jacobs looking this good is not new. Um, or if you're somebody who considers yourself like an advanced stat bro, y- you should have been all over Josh Jacobs because he's <laughs> yeah. been he's been like among the missed tackle leaders since the since the day he came into the NFL. Um, he's he's never missed in that category. Like in in terms of everything that you care about, uh, like elusiveness wise, he's he's as good as it gets. He's like right there with Nick Chubb. He was right there with Javante. Like he's just he's just that good. And so if you were betting on a committee this year, you were you were really leaning hard into a Josh McDaniels related narrative that may or may not be true. And you were leaning hard into preseason usage, which is just full of lies. I think, you know, to play the devil's advocate, which is the wrong side, like it's the objectively wrong take here. I think the fact that, um, you know, we had the declined fifth year option and the um yeah you know hall of fame game like those were the two pieces of bread in the and then there was the meat of the sandwich there like i think those two things kind of coming you know at, at either end of the off season was certainly like if you're following the breadcrumbs that more a lot of a lot of carbs here uh coming off thanksgiving which certainly <laughs> i think we're all feeling at this point we've had enough carbs i don't know why i'm making a bread analogy here but point is like th- i'll follow the breadcrumbs of it all like those two things are pretty bad signs but i think getting lost is the meat of the sandwich there, which is the player, which is like a good, like a good player that was the narrative that he was just going to be put into a committee was certainly completely concocted and everything like that. But um, man, I mean, I think the one thing that I come back to was people saw the hall of fame games. Like, Oh yeah, we got to ding him again. Like we got to push. He's like, I was already like a, at most like what a seventh round pick like he was never yeah. at any point like a third rounder or something like that where it's like okay yeah you see a third rounder playing in the hall of fame game it's like well yeah you, you probably don't want to draft that guy even if it ended up being like a nonsense note but regardless like okay the guy is not not going to cost you very much anyways you i think all of the risk and none obviously of the reward was priced into his final adp yeah, I think that's I think that's really an essential point too, right? Like all the pessimism was there and none of the obvious upside of like what what if he just continues to be the best player in this backfield and gives us another, you know, double digit touchdown season and it's just really good. And what you know, there were I, I will say that for my part there were some assumptions about the Raiders offense that weren't right, you know? Like oh, totally. I thought that I thought this thing had the potential to be great and not just great situationally occasionally in the in the odd week but great week in and week out and it clearly hasn't been 
and yet it hasn't really mattered for Jacobs. I like the one thing that I actually really feel good about with Jacobs is I, I had a, a few people uh, reach out to me like at mid season and say, OK, I know you're a Jacobs apologist. You really like this guy, but surely I have to sell high now. Right. Like he's on a hot streak. There's no way this lasts. And I was like, no, you don't get it. He's like one of the five or six best backs in the league. Um, this is who he is. You got to keep him. And so I hope they did um, because <laughs> because he's, he's just legitimately this good and always has been. Yeah, it's funny. We spend so much time in the offseason. I know I talked about this. It's like, okay, who's the mid-round wide receiver that's going to be like the Cooper Cup style league winner that you take in, you know, in the middle of your draft and he ends up becoming like one of the best players at the wide receiver position. I mean, there's obviously some folks you could, you could pick out a little bit at wide receiver, but the answer was actually Josh Jacobs, right? Like a guy who is a, yeah. an established good player that took a boost. And I think that's another thing too is that the declined fifth year option, it was like immediately looked at like the only the only outcome there was the negative outcome, which is, that, oh, the team clearly hates him and they're just like not going to play him. Not like, oh, you know what? They're going to just they're going to give this guy a shot to like get driven into the ground a little bit. And also he's going to take that and be like, you know what? I'm going to have my best. I'm going to have my best season right now because you just made this my contract here. So, yeah, I think that's another thing to remember, um, although we rarely actually see like and this is just the thing with the running backs, man. And I know we're going on about this a little bit, but. I'm really not looking forward to uh, it's already started a little bit. I'm really not looking forward to like, okay, yeah, Josh Jacobs is a free agent. I can't wait to see some team like wreck their salary cap by signing a good play <laughs> like that. I know that's like the smart guy NFL thing to say, but it makes yeah. me like want to puke every single bodily organ out of my body that like when field Yates put out the tweet yesterday, like the 2023 free agent running back classes, you know, absolutely stacked. It, it's got Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, you know, David Montgomery, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of, a lot of good players, but those first four really stand out as guys that could be big time players for another team or, you know, even stay with their current team. And the immediate reaction is, Oh yeah, well they'd be stupid to pay him because oh my god, it's it's like it, it makes me want to die even if it is a even if it is a, a little you know the, like I said the smart guy NFL thing so yeah I have already seen it and there, like if there's one thing that I just hate to do it's like rooting against good players getting paid <laughs> I'm yeah just, I'm just not gonna do it which is what you're doing like I I, I don't think you can separate the two by the way like yeah. you know I I I know it's the Again, it's the smart guy NFL thing to say, and it, it probably is like we have seen teams, you know, Dallas Cowboys are in a precarious situation because they paid Ezekiel Elliott as their, you know, as the centerpiece of their team. You know, we've seen obviously the Rams, and the, the Cardinals, like those those David Johnson, Todd Gurley contracts that did not age well. But I'm sorry, it, you are if you're like, yeah, no one should pay running backs. You're rooting for these guys not to get paid. It's like, oh, I, yeah. you know what? I really don't. I really don't care if the team screw their salary cap positions. I'd much rather Josh Jacobs get rewarded for having a badass season. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Right. Um, uh, yeah. I don't care if the Raiders mess up their cap situation. I don't care <laughs> if the Giants mess up their cap situation, like by signing Saquon Barkley. I promise you, it says something worse in the locker room. Um, and I think the Raiders might want to consider their mm -hmm. locker room when they when they when they look at Josh Jacobs this offseason. Just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Look, you know, we've had some fun with Josh Jacobs here more than I wanted to. You can tell how much I really don't want to get to the waiver section, which we're going to take more time before we get to the waiver <laughs> section because we do have to talk about a piece, a few pieces of news items here. Starting off with, um, you know, this just we we talked about this a little bit with Scott last night. I mentioned it real quickly, but I just got another news alert about it, so I'm going to say it here, even though it's not on the outline. Darnell Mooney likely to undergo season-ending surgery here, Andy. Um, Chase Claypool, the returns have been pretty meh since they traded a what's probably going to be like a top 35 draft pick for old Chase Claypool there. Obviously, the biggest question is when is Justin Fields going to get back on the field? But um, 
any bump for Chase Claypool, anybody else in the absence of Darnell Mooney, who's a, a really good player. Yeah, really good player. And there had been a couple of moments uh, during this, I don't know, whatever we want to call it, this surge from Justin Fields, this sort of renaissance from Justin Fields. They'd had some nice moments together, but there hadn't been really a signature Darnell Mooney game yet. Um, so I don't know, you know, and the, the the actual number of targets we're talking about here uh, has been has been so low that like distributing those across an already sketchy receiving core, especially when we don't really know the quarterback situation going forward. We don't like as as we speak right now, no idea who's going to start at quarterback for the Bears uh, in week 13. Uh, it'd be great if it were fields, but it would make all the sense in the world for them to hold them out through the bye, if not through the end of the season. I hope that's not the case. Um, so we're talking probably about somebody who is going to be catching passes from Trevor Simeon. Um, I'm just not, you know, this is a long way of saying that I'm not that interested in Chase Claypool. Um, and I can't really imagine this team supporting, steadily supporting one uh, receiver that we're just starting week in and week out. Um, you you can go ahead and play Cole Komet. I think he's going to continue to get his chances, but um, that, that's only because he's competing at a position where it's just like, a bunch of a bunch of just flotsam from the from the waiver wire that we're not terribly interested in right and like Cole Komet can just be parked as like the tight end seven or eight rest of season you feel fine about it um but no I don't I don't think there's any big winner uh in the in the receiving room yeah that checks out to me and it it just 2023 is going to be the Bears year to really take I think take the next step offensively like they figured something out with Justin Fields but you know, and, and and obviously the rushing stuff, but to build more upon that, you know, you get Darnell Mooney back then. You're, it's Chase Claypool's first offseason with the team. I, I think they still will add someone else to the picture, too. I think that'll really be the year we see whatever the best version of the offense is going to be. The, the thing of it is, they obviously, they the reason that they targeted uh, Chase Claypool as they did and, and paid the price they did and that the Packers tried to pay the price that, that they attempted uh, is that it's just a, a crummy class of, uh, of free agent receivers. You mentioned the yeah, running backs. Really uh, it, it, like, it's not that good on the, on the receiving side. Um, they would have to, you know, they, they would have to do what a bunch of smart teams did last offseason, what the Eagles did, what the Dolphins did, and go out and actually target a, a like a serious sort of game-changing, franchise-altering receiver uh, who can who can uplift the offense. Uh, I hope that they do that. They have uh, they have a shocking amount of money to spend in free agency. Um, and again, not the receiving class in which to do it. But if, if you acquire somebody and extend them, or acquire somebody with a with a, a big contract already, like that's what I'm hoping for. I guess the I think what made last year a unique situation too was you know guys like AJ Brown um, getting traded and like all those wide receiver extensions like Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, you know DK Metcalf, all those guys weren't first round picks in 2019, so they didn't have that option year. And you know I'm thinking of the guys that are you know coming up for extensions for the 2020 class. A lot of those dudes do have the you know they were first round picks, right? Like CD Lamb, first round pick, Justin Jefferson, first round pick, um, Brandon Ayuk, first round pick, uh, you know Jerry Judy, maybe he's a guy that is traded in the offseason right um but you know i i would say he's probably not on pace to get his fifth year option picked up at this point because of injuries and you know just general whatever but yeah so i don't know that's a topic for another day i i'm with you though that i think that we're not going to get a crazy wide receiver offseason like we did last year when like jacoby yeah. myers is the best free agent wide receiver on the market <laughs> um as much as i love jacoby myers you know that's that's why we're we're at the chase claypool thing so we shall see um more wide receiver news here uh nfl network's ian rapport reports that Bengals wide receiver jamar chase 
is expected to play in week 13 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Just in time. That's a good time to get Jamar Chase back. Um, didn't need him to beat the Titans this past week. They will probably need him to beat the Chiefs in week 13. Um, does this make like Tyler Boyd uh, droppable, who has not been like an exciting player during the uh, absence of Jamar Chase? And by the way, was certainly not that exciting when Jamar Chase was active. Yeah, um, I don't think it makes him. I don't think it makes him droppable. Like I don't know. You'll you'll hear the names later that we're going to talk about as potential ads, even at receiver this week, and it's not that great. I don't think you'd feel that yeah. comfortable dropping Tyler Boyd for any of them necessarily. So I don't know that he's a drop. Um, he's certainly not a must start, right? And and this is going to have a huge impact on where we rank him. Um, I, I generally have Higgins as a top 15 guy. I've I've pretty much always got Chase as like a top six guy. Uh, well, like we'll see exactly what the practice reports are this week, but I can't imagine not ranking those two as basically as wide receiver ones. And and that leaves, you know, only and they throw to the running back as well. So that leaves only very little room for for Tyler Boyd to do anything extraordinary. Uh, we have seen some big plays from him this year, and it's a it's obviously an explosive offense, tremendous offense should be a really fun game. A lot of fun games this week. Um, should yeah. be a great game. So I like. I'm not, I'm not dropping him. Um, he in in my mind, he's too good for that. Uh, and, and I do think that you know any injury happens to anybody else here, and it's probably good for Tyler Boyd down the road. I obviously he hasn't made a ton of noise lately, but um, still still too good a player. Again, when when you when you hear the names that I'm recommending, um, <laughs> you're not going to want to drop Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I thought about him for my hold on loosely uh, guy, but I, you know, the fact that we have him here is just like, all right, we can just get to him now. And I, I agree with you that he's probably a guy who should keep on the roster. But, you know, the idea that he was going to, again, the idea that he was going to be a big, big benefactor uh, in the, the beneficiary, whatever, I feel like I messed that up all the time. But, anyways, that he was going to benefit greatly from the Jamar Chase absence certainly did not come to fruition because I do think Boyd, good player, but he should probably, I think he's a three. Like, I think he's a number three receiver. Right? Yeah. You mentioned that they throw to the running backs. Burrow's throwing the running backs this year way more than he ever has at the NFL level. And even with Joe Mixon out last week, that continued to be the case. So um, I think it's been a nice little change up to their offense. Like, you know, the, the Bengals typically go out there and they say like, hey, we have three really good receivers, two alpha receivers and a really good slot guy. Like we're going to run like our guys are better than you guys plays, you know, a lot of like go routes, a lot of deep uh, middle routes, you know, like those type of plays and and. I think teams are trying to take that away. So the running back stuff has been a pretty good change up for them. Um, so I agree. I think bottom line here, Boyd uh, should remain on rosters. Next one here, Buccaneers right tackle Tristan Wirfs is expected to miss three to four weeks with an ankle injury. My God, uh, the curse continues. Uh, the Giselle curse continues for, for Tom Brady um, on the field here with the guys that are protecting him. No more protection spells from the witchcraft uh, <laughs> situation there. Uh, and no more guys and guys that are supposed to be protecting Tom Brady continue to get hurt. The Bucks, dude, they lose another game. I, they're not like I, I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs. Like, I don't know that they're just going to win the NFC South. Damn Panthers could win that thing, which is a little hilarious. But um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. Bucks offense, just not really what we're, we're expecting at any point this year. Yeah, brutal news. Uh, Worf's a guy that I really like, like former Iowa star, right? Um, so I'm, great I'm partial to, to Tristan Worf's just an absolutely great player. Um, this is not, you know, this is not a small loss. Been a, a as you say, it's been, already been an, a tremendously disappointing season. And it's it's funny because at no point have I ever watched Tom Brady and said, oh, that this guy's washed. Like he's not, the ball isn't coming out of his hand the way it comes out of like Matt Ryan's hands now, right? Like no, he's, yeah. He looks fine, 
Um, which is a, a way of saying that there's no explanation for this except witchcraft. Uh, that's, that's Obviously. Oh my God. Um, but like, you know, Godwin, Godwin coming back slow and sort of ramping up to speed and he had, a, he's coming off a very good game and I think he's coming off some really good weeks. Um, Mike, Mike Evans might be having his worst season. Uh, so you know, of like, course. So and, and in this, in, you know, this past week, um, like just misfires between between Brady and Evans, which is not something like, um, you know, overshot him on a couple of throws, which which it just seemed weird. Right. Like these guys should know each other, do know each other. Um, but Evans has had trouble with drops this year, uh, the misconnections, um, just a just a really disappointing season from him. It's probably going to look OK when all the stats are in. Um, but along the way, there there have just been missed opportunities every week. And so the, the worst thing is not good for Brady. It's not good for the run game. Uh, it's not <laughs> I mean, it's not good in any in any way. And uh, they're they're so lucky to be in the division that they're in. It's wild. Yeah, like Rashad White had a great role on Sunday, but it's still a great role in this version of the Bucks offense, not the one we would have ideally wanted coming into the year. Um, next one up here. This one uh, probably deserves like a little bit of unpacking. NFL Network's Cameron Wolf reports that Travis Etienne was cleared to return in week 12 against the Ravens from his foot injury. Um, Doug Peterson said he, quote, didn't want to risk it. Um, Andy, you buying this? Uh, are you still interested in Daryl Henderson or Jamichael Hasty, who, you know, obviously – like hasty hasty shockingly played extremely well uh against the ravens like he looked great was a big part of the offense i think that probably says that travis Etienne was gonna have a big game against the ravens had he not gotten injured and was extra cautious like this sort of rang alarm bells to me it was like uh i don't don't like raise an eyebrow at this like oh yeah he was totally cleared he would have he would have gone back but doug peterson was just being super cautious yeah, I mean the the thing to react to and the and the thing to really take seriously is the is that the team made a decision not to not to reinsert him in the game. Not <laughs> you know, like it's it's fine that they're saying it's good news if you if you got an ETN on a roster, if you're a Jags fan, whatever, like it, it, this is good news. Um the uh, ETN himself after the game was saying that he should be he should be good for next week. Um that's all great. Like they decided not to put him back in the game, which which tells you that it's something. This isn't like a cosmetic foot injury that they, that they like, you know, I, I mean, this is a, he suffered an injury in this game. It, uh, you know, it's a, it's a body part that has been a concern for Travis Etienne before. And they elected not to, uh, not, not to run him for the remainder of the game. So like that, that, I don't know, that's what you should care about. Not what is necessarily said afterwards. And it's, you know, players being bullish on their own availability is, uh, y- you know, is just a thing that's always going to happen. So, uh, well, like, we'll see if he's practicing in full on like Thursday. Great. We've got no, we've got no problem. I, I agree with you that hasty looked really good. I think that, you know, if there were to be a scenario where hasty, uh, was thrown, where ETN had to sit hasty's thrown into a bigger role, like he, he, pr- he probably would run in tandem with Daryl Henderson. Like we'd probably see them get Daryl Henderson up to speed and, um, there would be some sort of committee there because hasty like he sees, tiny, right? He's, yeah. he's five, eight, 200 pounds. He's not like, it might work for a game. He's probably not the guy that you would just say, okay, we're going to lean on this dude, uh, throughout December and into January. And we're going to finish the season with him as a, as our featured runner. Um, I, I would imagine that you would mix in Daryl Henderson and they would form some sort of like, you know, early down third down, hurry up, uh, uh, sort of committee. But, uh, but Hasey was great. Um, really, really productive game. 
probably somebody that you want to throw, you know, I don't know, I don't know who's got who's got budget left at this time in the season, but if you do and you want to throw a couple books at him, I, I I think that seems fine. He's clearly there's nobody here given the given the situation with ETN and and the the fact that it sounds like it's not anything close to a worst case scenario. You're not going to want to empty the wallet for these guys. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, we'll just monitor the practice reports throughout the week. Uh, I do agree with your point that Hasty, mostly a special teamer. You know, I, you know, the fact they pick up Daryl Henderson shows they want to add some more dudes to the backfield there. So those guys would probably run in tandem. I think if we miss, I always. Travis by the way, I always get I always get uptight when I find myself about to say that um, some some NFL player is tiny because like you, you you can be in the room with a tiny NFL player and you suddenly feel very small, right? Like they're all they're all they all have more mass than I do. I'll say that. Well, but you're a pretty tall guy, though, Andy. Um, obviously, uh, from a, like a yeah, from a mass standpoint, sure. By the way, did you see? Uh, I was watching the Cardinals Chargers game from beginning to end. Did you see the graphic they put up about how Herbert is the tallest quarterback and Kyler Murray is the shortest quarterback? And I was like, <laughs> the side by side, the yeah. side by side. Like, okay, y'all didn't have to do Kyler like that, all right? I mean, come on, like y- you didn't have to do him like that. That was, by the way, that was, like that was so great. I, I, it reminded me of, uh, you know, Charles Robinson a few years ago when, uh, when Herbert was, uh, was entering the draft. Um, I, re- I remember one of the things that Charles kept saying was that, you know, if I'm Tua's agent, if I'm anybody else's agent, there's no way that I let my guy sit next to Justin Herbert. <laughs> yes. Keep, <laughs> was, keep Bryce exactly Young that. as far away from freaking Justin <laughs> Herbert as possible. Like, honestly, don't even let Bryce. I mean, I know during the summer, like when Mina Kimes and Bryce Young took a picture together at, at some point, like during an award ceremony, people were like <laughs> breaking that down heavy. Like, keep Bryce Young away from basically anybody. He's yeah. kind of, I mean, he's, he's, it's a good thing that some of the most recent. Heisman quarterback, uh, you know, finishers are all small, like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. But even then, like, you don't want him standing next to Kyler and suddenly, like, is he smaller than Kyler? I mean, I don't know. But yeah, Herbert yeah. Is, is, is ginormous. During uh, the first episode of Eckler's Edge, like, I mean, that dude, like, <laughs> I sat next to that dude and I was like, I don't know. I'm a pretty big guy. Like, I'm, you know, 6'3 plus 220. Like, I'm, I got, I got some mass. Let's, let's just say that. Um, and I mean, this is after that was my pre Thanksgiving weight. So that's a, another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> when I was next to Justin Herbert, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm small, bro. Like, this guy's ginormous. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you that generally when people are like, oh, you know, he's, he's small or whatever, I'm like, okay, okay. Well, how, how about look in the mirror? How about, how about, like, <laughs> how about, how about ask himself, self, I couldn't, there? I couldn't actually stop myself from saying it because he is literally, he's like 5'8, he's not big by NFL standards, but man, yeah, I always feel bad when I do it. I'll make sure to go on uh, the show tomorrow with uh, Eckler and tell him he, you think he's tiny because he's, <laughs> please, he's, please. <laughs> He said, "Yeah, I think he has said it about himself from NFL standards. So I think uh, talk about self awareness. That guy's got some. All right, moving on to the next thing here. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson has officially been reinstated from his 11 game suspension. So we have to talk about Deshaun Watson again from a football angle. Um, as messy as it is, it, it just that's the deal. The Browns are four and seven. Um, he is not coming back to you know some moonwalking playoff team like I think the Browns probably would have imagined, but." The offense has been good. Um, Jacoby Brissett's been pretty good. I think all things considered, it's been really good for this team. And Andy, you're Amari Cooper prop. I'm still disgusted about that from <laughs> FFL. I, I talked about it on the show, show with Sky yesterday. Just absolutely, I'm still pissed. I mean, I don't normally so get I, angry about that stuff, but I'm I'm pretty pissed about that. 
I was tilting when he when he dropped the, uh, the. I mean, he had a he had a chance during regulation that was it would have gone for at least twenty yards, and it would have given me everything I needed to hit his uh, yardage prop that we discussed in the show. And it was just just absolutely hilarious that he he waited until the 69th minute of the game <laughs> to, to actually top his yardage prop and then you know you look at the box score and it's as if he he topped it easily i mean that, that guy saw like a dozen targets um so had yeah, he, he not like 10 it, targets for 32 yards at the end of the game and i was like wow i would just what a win but now andy for those un- uninitiated don't know what we're talking about we do a prop contest you should be watching fantasy football live every sunday morning what the hell are you doing if you're not we do a prop contest uh, and andy is now going to have a commanding lead uh after that amari cooper nonsense so yeah just absolute nonsense to your to your point about deshaun watson um i'm I'm getting a lot of questions about him already uh and i probably should have seen this coming uh my you know, my sort of conservative knee jerk is to say, boy, if I had a, you know, if I had a, another bankable option, I probably wouldn't want to roll him out in his, in his first appearance. It, it is against Houston. That is a friendly in a long matchup. time it's, too. It's not as if he played, he didn't play at all last year. It's been since 2020, since we've seen a him. really long time. Like he's been practicing for a couple of weeks, but that of course is not the same thing as, as game action. And it's not the same thing as having like a ton of reps under your belt with Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones and, and the like. Um, but it is a really talented receiving core. The last time we saw Deshaun Watson, he was leading the NFL in passing yards and yards per attempt and yards per completion. Like the on-field results were incredible. Uh, 30 plus touchdown passes. So we know he's great. Uh, again, he gets he gets Amari Cooper, he gets David Njoku. Like that, that's a pretty good situation. I the the tough calls for me are probably gonna be, you know, I've got a I've got a super flex where I've got I've had Deshaun on the bench and I'm like, do I sub do I sub out Derek Carr? I probably do. But I'm yeah. but I'm getting questions that involve like, hey, do I play Joe Burrow or Deshaun Watt? I mean, you play Joe Burrow. Like if you've yeah, got a I if agree. you've got a great quarterback who was just one of the clear right answers at the at the spot this year, I'm not I'm not messing around with Deshaun. Certainly not in his return. Look, and I not that I think he deserves the poetic justice of it all. I'm sure he wants to come out and, and dunk on, you know, Houston a little bit, but do they really need him to? Have you seen the rushing stats that the Houston Texans give up? Have you yeah. seen Nick Chubb play football? Like, I think there's a pretty good chance like Nick Chubb just runs this game over and, you know, I'm sure Watson will have a couple in his mind glory moments, but uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I agree with you that established dudes, even like, a, you know, a Tua, like I'd play Tua for sure over. Oh, over no a question. Guy like Des- yeah. yeah, I go to guy like Deshaun Watson. But I think, yeah, when you get into that, like Derek Carr, Geno Smith, um, that sort of group of dudes, like, yeah, I, I think it's a question there. But I, I certainly am very, you know. Very fascinating to see what he looks like. Uh, it's very fascinating to see what this offense looks like because the funny thing, like when they signed Jacoby Brissett to be the place where I'm like, you couldn't have picked a more like opposite dude from from Deshaun Watson um, because Jacoby Brissett is like, I know the term game manager gets thrown a lot for some of these guys, but Jacoby Brissett is like probably the picture perfect definition of a game manager. Like he's going to go out and keep the offense on schedule, not going to make a lot of boneheaded decisions just going to execute the play calls. Obviously Deshaun Watson's never, never really been like a, like he's what people want to 
want Kyler Murray to be. He's what Zach yes. Wilson dreams yeah. he is, right? Like plays off script and does all these crazy things, but maybe the in-structure stuff is not 100% where you want it to be, but who gives a damn because the off-script stuff is really, really, really that good with Deshaun Watson. So it will be a really interesting marriage uh, between the two, uh, Kevin Stefanski, that offense, and uh, Deshaun Watson. And obviously, I mean, it's just... It's just, it's a it's a crazy thing all the way around that we haven't seen him play in so long. And I, I don't know, man, I, I am definitely very curious to see what it all looks like. Yeah. Brissett has really established himself now if he if he wasn't before as a as a premier backup, like um, clearly one of the I don't know, 35 best quarterbacks in the world, 30 best quarterbacks in the world, maybe like he he played he played reasonably well. He played at the at the high end of what anybody might have expected um, over a over a long stretch of games too. So I, I do feel good for him in a very good situation too. I mean, this Cleveland situation mm -hmm. is awesome. Remember this, this very situation um, tricked people into thinking that Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback <laughs> for a good, for yep. a good calendar year. Like, so yeah, good situation. Last thing here, JK Dobbins returned to practice today for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think he's like, I know he's not on your waiver list, but he's, if he's available in any, any waiver wires, I'm sure he got dropped in spots. Like I would add him just because the Ravens, my God, they re we're going to talk about them later, but we're they really need help in a lot of areas, and I think Dobbins. I mean, it, again, he I who knows what we're going to get from the rest of the year, but I think he's a guy that you should at least add in case he's help part of their solution there. Oh yeah, no question about it. They they leaned pretty hard on uh, on Gus uh, in the in the Jackson, and Gus is fine. J Gus is a good player, um, but he came back and they they didn't exactly kick you know, Justice Hill and, and Kenyon Drake to the curb, but, but they handed it over to Gus and it's hard to, uh, hard to imagine that, uh, Dobbins upon returning is not going to step into, you know, a dozen touches and that, and that should be good for, you know, like within an offense that wants to run and has been pretty good at it in recent seasons. Um, has a, this is a weird game for Baltimore. Cause like they moved yeah. the ball without any problem at all. Um, and then, uh, and then it was the Justin Tucker show. Like, I don't know. You kick that many, like 20 some yard field goals and you should probably lose. We'll talk about the Ravens uh, a little bit later. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay. Time to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to recap what was a interesting Sunday night game uh, with a lot of potential takeaways. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Andy. Eagles 40, Packers 33. Uh, we'll talk about the Eagles here in a second and because they deserve a lot of discussion for the game they had against the Packers, especially on the ground game. But of course, I think we have to start with Aaron Rodgers, who was uh, grimacing, groaning for different reasons than usual. Usually he's doing it because he's pissed off at somebody, but he was in an awful <laughs> lot of pain uh, on Sunday night, uh, admitted that last week he's been playing with the, a thumb issue, left this game with a rib injury. He sounded like, look, if, if we're still in mathematical, this is what he said was, if we're still in mathematical contention, I want to be out there, but I don't know if he's going to be cleared to play uh, against the Bears next week. Jordan Love, 
boy, Chris Collinsworth was ready to ready to shower Jordan Love with praise. And I was like, he's thrown five passes, Chris. Like, maybe relax. But, um, you know, he, he did look pretty decent there. Had some moments, especially on the touchdown to Christian Watson, which was, you know, probably mostly Christian Watson's doing. It was mostly Christian Watson's doing, but he's the sort of player that, like, if you can just hit him in stride, like, uh, you can get a big play out of it, right? Yeah. Um, and we've already seen a couple of plays where Aaron Rodgers just, like, but obviously having great touch on the ball, but Aaron Rodgers just lobbed it up to Christian Watson and came down with it. Like that's available to you when you have an athlete like Watson. So, so that was really good to see. It was certainly a good cameo from love. Um, I like, I don't think that they have to just, I, I mean, green, green Bay's not technically out of it, I suppose, but they are mostly out of it. Right. And so shutting down Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the worst decision. I also, completely understand uh his perspective on wanting to play until there's nothing to play for like i get it the thumb injury in particular really explains a lot right because like you yeah. think back to that detroit game and the way some of the balls uh, some of those balls are coming out of his hand like we just don't we just don't see aaron Rodgers have multiple interception games um no. and he he i mean his whole career he's been a guy who's willing to challenge tough corners and he's willing to you know give guys a chance when there's when they're just in man coverage and and somebody's draped all over him so like it's not like he doesn't put the ball at risk um he's just been a you know he his accuracy is just um levels beyond where anybody else's is uh in, in the league really so it Aaron Rodgers being on like he's on I don't know what he's on pace for interception wise but it's like 14 or 15 which is not you know yeah. an offensive number but it's shocking for Aaron Rodgers because we've seen him have seasons with like three four interceptions right it's just way out of line with anything that you might reasonably expect from him so the the thumb explains a lot um it, you know he's got a rib injury now which is um you know one of those things that is not only excruciatingly painful in most circumstances but you don't actually know what motion is going to cause the pain right like it's right. just a terrible thing to play through obviously they can drug any, anybody up for any reason in the nfl so i'm i'm sure they i'm sure they can fix it but uh uh just a you know the combination of of issues the the medley of injuries that he's playing with now would, would certainly compromise any quarterback yeah absolutely and you know, they're in such a weird place like the Packers. You know, there's a small chance they can get out of Rogers contract if they trade him, all this type of stuff. And I, I don't like it's tough to sit here and say who they get out take. of it if he helped them. Like, you know, they, yeah, that's they would what I was going to say. It's partner. like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's they if he's cooperative, which, yeah, you know, I mean, have you paid attention to Aaron Rodgers last few years? I, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that he's ready and willing to just help out the Packers with this, but. You know, there's a chance they can get out of the Rodgers contract, and obviously they have to make a decision on Jordan Love whether to pick up the fifth-year option. Like, if there's a 0% chance he's starting next year, then I think there's a 0% chance they pick up that fifth-year yeah. option. But I think that in, if you gave Matt LaFleur and, and Brian Gutekunst and the boys, like, a little bit of truth serum, um, you know, Severus Snape style, if it was to slip into their morning uh, pumpkin juice. Like, I think they'd probably say <laughs> they want to get a look at, at old Jordan Love here for a little bit. Like, I think they wouldn't mind yeah. getting him to start a couple games here. In an offense that, like, the Christian Watson thing is making me feel so much better about the Packers offense because, you know, I've been getting questions about, like, Alan Lazard. And either people are like, where's Alan Lazard? Where's Alan Lazard? I'm like, well, he's Alan Lazard, okay? Like, you didn't want him handling all that workload he was. Like, he's a fine player, but he shouldn't be your number one receiver. I don't know that Christian Watson's ever going to be a number one receiver either, but I've made the Martavis Bryant comparison previously. I, I talked about it again last night. 
like those two guys, I think, are very similar in that they can flip a field like that. Like, and, and most of their freaky stuff comes out in the open field after the catch, like we saw with Christian Watson. And the fact that you have a guy on the offense that can do that, like if Jordan Love has to start a few games, like you said, he's not a guy that requires, I mean, you require Christian Watson to catch a damn ball every now and again when he, when he should, but he's not like he's a guy that requires too much. You, you hit him in stride on those crossing routes and he can do a lot yeah. of the work for you. Yeah, I and I'm, you know, this again, this is only three games that Christian Watson has looked this legit and he's been he's been great. Um, but I'm I have a I have a degree of confidence now that he's not just Chase Claypool. Right. Like, I guess that was Agreed. was sort of my fear was that he was just going to be somebody who, you know, you could give him all the opportunities in the world, but a lot of them were just going to hit him in the hands and and fall to the turf because um, we I, I mean, he's had issues with drops certainly throughout the season um he's probably never going to be like a super sticky fingered um catches everything that is you know within 10 feet of him kind of player but so far he he looks like he's trending a little bit better than clay and uh, listen claypool was great his rookie year as well or at least had yeah. some great moments and and showed flashes and has has never quite recaptured that um but i you know i'm i'm relatively confident now that that watson is going to be a better player than that and we're not just seeing some you know, two, three game eruption uh, that is going to be as good as it ever gets. Uh, he he looks pretty legit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so if Jordan Love has a start, do you change like expectations for a guy like Christian Watson, uh, Aaron Jones? Because my first and that's really all we care about, by the way, like if you're starting any other Packers yeah. player, your team's not doing so good or you're in a very, very deep league. Those of you two only do, do we care about. Do you change expectations much if it is Jordan Love? I wouldn't I wouldn't change expectations a whole lot against the Bears because um, that defense is, is just miserable right now. Like, I think he can, you know, I think he can get them to 27, 30 points against the Bears. That's that's probably uh, that's probably out there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would change expectations for the offense as a whole uh, beyond that game. I, you know, I, I mean, think of the think of the touchdown pass that Rodgers threw to Aaron Jones. Like, that's a. That's yeah. pretty rare. There's there's just not that many guys that are that are that are completing that um, that would even think to throw it. Um, it's, it's like Mahomes and it's Aaron Rodgers and a handful of other players. It's just that sort of thing is special. So like those throws aren't going to be there. And that's not even a ding on Jordan Love. That's just like, you know, the things that an inner circle Hall of Famer can do that other guys can't. So, yeah, I like it. Definitely. If I mean, you know, this is one of the worst uh protracted periods of you know, like strings of games that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers in his career. And he's still capable of plays like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, it'll probably, I don't know what percentage to put on it. 75% of what the normal Packers would have been something like that. Wanted to, again, just want to hit on the Eagles here really quickly because they deserve to be talked about after such a big, after a crazy offensive performance, they averaged 4.6 net yards per pass attempt. They averaged 7.4 yards per rush attempt. Like you don't often see like a team rush for almost three yards more per carry than, um, than they do, uh, per pass attempt. That's they pretty for like three and they ran for like 360 yards or something like that. Right. Like a crazy total, a total that you just net never rushing, see. Net rushing yards, 363. I mean, <laughs> it's, Again, net yards passing total 137. That is pretty insane, which and oh, by the way, like the Packers, their biggest weak point. This is why I talked about Miles Sanders on the show last week as a guy I really, really liked because the Packers run defense stinks. And it's like, hello, the quarterback runs. Hello. They have a yeah. great offensive line. Like, what? I mean, Joe Barry, bro, what are you doing there? So, yeah, I mean, the Eagles, I think that this is what makes them such a great 
team in the NFL and also not the worst fantasy team in the world that they're so great when they can play left-handed, whether the left hand is the passing game or the left hand is a running game. I, I'm not even a hundred percent sure, but when they go off the rut, this heavy rushing game script, you know, you're not going to get a bunch of big games from guys in the passing game, but like the ball literally doesn't go anywhere else except Devonte Smith A.J. Brown, and now even Quez Watkins a little bit to Dallas Goddard's hurt. It's like they don't have goofballs pop up to take opportunities yes. away. Yeah, yeah. They're not tempted by some Jalen Rager type or anything like that. Like, you know where the ball's going to go. You basically got, you know, I, I know Smith had kind of a quiet night in the box score, but still saw nine targets. You pretty much got whatever you needed um, from any of the principals in in Philly's offense. Um, sh- shocking that uh, the Green Bay seemed like totally blindsided by the fact that Jalen hurts can run, <laughs> like which was, which was weird. Um, just really weird. Like you don't have to spy the guy at every play, but, um, you bad, you're probably going to do it a lot. Right. And you can't just give up an entire side of the field to Jalen hurts. Um, I, I, I just thought it was crazy. Um, that the Packers, uh, you know, we're going to get to the end of the, the NFL season and we're going to look back and we'll talk about all the things that disappointed us and all the things that surprised us and whatnot. And w- like I've got to, I've got to remember to make note of the fact that the Packers' defense was garbage, and um, w- like I don't know anybody who didn't think it was going to be good. Like a lot of talent, um, and they. And oh, they I think I think there were people that were that were excited about like them that they were going to be good. You know, I think there were people yeah. that were ex- they were expecting to take that next leap, and like I, it, maybe there's a Joe Barry issue. I think it's certainly a coaching issue. When I watched the game with my dad last night, Jalen Hurts taking off running. My dad's like, "Oh, that must have been a great blocker." And I'm, they then they go to the higher angle it's like nope nobody's over there dad ain't nobody <laughs> there, there. Like, yep. ain't nobody there so tough scene um all right well yeah i wanted to shower the eagles with some praise there man because they deserved it but uh you know the fantasy stuff is pretty cut and dry there so oh i also want to shout out the one guy on twitter who yesterday like during the early games as soon as samaj p ryan scored an early touchdown hit me up and was like bro I benched Samaj P. Ryan for Miles Sanders because of you. And he was really mad. Um, and he was he was getting at That's me. And that, that sort of thing generally guarantees a huge performance by the guy who hasn't played yet. <laughs> so yeah. shout, shout out to him. Amazing. Yeah. Shout out to that guy. Uh, thanks for playing along. All right. Let's move into the week 13 waivers. We have waited long enough, 47 minutes into the show or 45 minutes, wherever we are. Let's talk about Zonovan Knight, Andy. Let's get your running backs here. Uh, We found out during the show that Jets running back Michael Carter is considered day to day. So this Zonovan Knight character, Andy, leads your running back list. Well, he like he was good. He was part of the game plan. Like he wasn't just purely an accident of injury, right? Like Zonovan Knight was going to play um, as a, a series of surprises from the, from the jets really over the, over the last week or so. One of them being that, that James Robinson was healthy scratched. Um, they, they clearly don't see it. Like Michael Carter is a good player, but they were never going to give Michael Carter like every snap in the game and every backfield touch in the game. And Zonovan Knight was going to be that guy. Um, I, I don't, I was about to say, I don't want to oversell him. I don't think there's really any overselling Zonovan Knight. Um, but <laughs> like, I feel like because he's, I think he's the, I think he's probably the, the clear target at, at running back this week. Um, and because of that, I feel like there's people who are going to get really aggressive, uh, in, in pursuit of him. I feel like there's people who are maybe going to, maybe going to hype him beyond what is, what has been earned. Um, he was, he was fine. He was he was facing a miserable defense. He's 
to my eye, not a particularly inventive runner. I mean, his college, like his nickname at NC State was Bam, right? Um, he he would like to go through you. And against the Bears, it like it worked a little bit, you know, uh, always fell forward, always while being tackled, gained another couple yards. Um, r- really powerful, but not you know, just sort of paint by numbers and, um, like just not really a creator out there. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't wowed by any, by anything except for the fact that he just kept falling forward. Um, which, which is, listen, it's a skill. Um, but I, I just, I just don't want, I want to be careful not to oversell him. He did finish the game with over a hundred scrimmage yards. Um, also had a fumble and fumbling was an issue, uh, at the college level as well. So that's not obviously something that, that coaches are particularly patient with. I don't know that he did anything that James Robinson couldn't have done when healthy. Um, so that, that's a thing. Um, and then, and then, you know, I think the Carter injury really uh, allowed Ty Johnson to do a little something. And and Johnson had a game as well, scored a long touchdown. Again, it's just the Bears. You don't have to get too enthusiastic here, but they're about to face the Vikings. And the Vikings are just weird. They're they're obviously they're a good team. Um that but the defense has given up a ton of yards. Um the defense has been super generous and they happen to have a bunch of takeaways, right? So like they've been opportunistic, but they haven't really been good. Um, so if this backfield really is, uh, Zonovan Knight and, and Ty Johnson, they'll probably do okay. Like those two together can combine for something like 130 yards and Knight can be an interesting enough play for a week. But I, I, I don't know that this is somebody, again, we talked about this with Jamichael Hasty. I don't think this is somebody I'm going to empty the wallet for. I don't think there are any uh, empty the wallet, wallet candidates no. uh, on your running back list, but any others that the folks should, you know, keep an eye on here i mean yeah we mentioned we mentioned hasty and uh daryl henderson at the top they are entirely tied to travis Etienne's availability and it does not sound like a like a super serious situation for etn i hope that's the case kyron williams uh is is just tied to a, a that i mean that team is just like a theater of pain right now so if you don't want uh if you don't want anything to do with the rams i totally get it um but kyron williams did Outsnap Cam Akers pretty severely, thirty-eight to sixteen. Played seventy percent of the snaps. Um, he like if they get into a situation where they got to throw the ball, um, and that is probably where they're going to live most of the rest of the season. Um, Williams is the guy that I would expect them to have on the field. Um, but again, it's the Rams. Uh, they're probably going to average like thirteen points a game the rest of the year. So he's not like again, nobody on this list is a is an empty the wallet guy. Williams isn't either. We've discussed him many times on this show. Fun college player. Um, and I, I think he's, if you have to roster a back from the Rams backfield, it's probably Williams for me. Uh, Chuba Hubbard's going into a bye, but he did see 17 carries only got 65 yards out of it, but good usage for him. So that was interesting. Again, you can't use him this week, but perhaps beyond that, uh, other names that, that certainly need to be considered Tyler Algier, if he's still available to you and he's, he's actually, he's still out there in like 52, 53% of Yahoo leagues, which is mm. a little bit surprising to me. He's He's in a 50-50 committee right now with, with Patterson. Um, so he's getting a lot of run. He's interesting. Jordan Mason, uh, probably somebody who's going to step into a, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to be a significant workload, but Elijah Mitchell's probably going to miss some time. He's got another knee issue. Uh, and so I think Jordan Mason is is uh, is going to be somebody. As shoot, Christian McCaffrey has apparently a knee issue that they're managing right now. Um, so maybe there's a path for Jordan Mason to get like, 10 touches, uh, in the, in the Miami game, which again, should be a really fun, uh, really fun game this week. I guess I'd throw out Jarek McKinnon too, as a, yeah. as a sort of deep PPR option. Yeah. Um, 
they obviously the 49ers have Ty Davis Price, a uh, third round pick uh, that they took and got a little bit of action at one point this year, but then he got hurt. And it would be very Kyle Shanahan to have Jordan Mason be the guy over TDP. So, uh, of course, just keep an eye on that situation there. Wide receivers here. This definitely um, there's there are some interesting names here. Not 100 percent sure um, that there's any like reliable dudes here let's get started with zay jones who as you note on the outline has 24 targets over two games so it feels like once a quarter you know like a you know a corpo quarter we got to talk about like (laughs) zay jones as a dude that exists for the jaguars yeah i mean 24 targets in two games should just be like an automatic ad right like that's usage that very few people are getting and over his over the last four weeks he's caught something like 84 85 percent of his targets right like he's snatching everything lawrence uh trevor lawrence obviously just played a a signature game uh a incredible uh game-winning drive nailed every throw um Jones caught the the two point conversion. Like it was just a just a phenomenal game from him. He caught eleven of the fourteen targets, one hundred and forty five yards. And this is again a couple games in a row with double digit targets, makes a guy interesting. They're about to face Detroit. Detroit has has sort of righted some of the you know they've maybe pulled out of the terrible defensive nosedive that they were in, and they have not been as as wretched as they were early in the season. But they're still Detroit. There are still opportunities there, um, so I, I wouldn't be at all surprising if Zay Jones' rest of season is like an eight to twelve target guy, and if Trevor Lawrence is going to be this dude, if he's going to play that well, or if that's his ceiling, you know, then then Jones is pretty interesting. Other names that I think are interesting, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, I, I, and I know we've had fire drills on Isaiah McKenzie before, and then it comes <laughs> to nothing, have, yeah. um, <laughs> but he's he's coming off ten targets, six catches, ninety six yards, a touchdown against Detroit. He, I, I guess the thing that I'm hung up on is he's about to, he's about to, it's like a scene of the crime game, right? Like he's a, about to face the Patriots again. It was that mm. Patriots game last year where he sort of hit the radar uh, as, right. a, as a potential future fantasy asset. The one game that he stepped in for Cole Beasley and they just immediately targeted him 12 times. He caught everything, um, 100 plus yards. He was great. Um, so like that's available again this week, perhaps against the Patriots. Um, and, and then maybe McKenzie goes back to just being a guy that they target three times and he falls down on one of those targets and it looks terrible because um, we've definitely seen that version of McKenzie this year as well. Uh, but he's tied to the right offense. So I think McKenzie's interesting. I'm, I'm going to keep banging the table for Nico Collins because um, the usage is you there. Both, buddy. Uh, <laughs> quiet week. Um, I get it. Just another week with like 40 plus receiving yards, but he saw nine targets. The guy's huge. Uh, he's he, he is the sort of player who should, if anybody's going to work with Kyle Allen, I feel like it's somebody like Nico Collins. He's fast. He, he can leap. He's 6'4". Um, he's just got the yeah, right The problem is Kyle Allen traits. can't throw the ball past five yards. Like, this was it's something a, like... I, but he likes I do, to. Yeah, but he, but he cannot. <laughs> I mean, I will never forgive Kyle Allen for, you know, like... Curtis Samuels 2019. This is what people definitely want me to do is relitigate the Curtis Samuel 2019 season. But he was absolutely set up to moonwalk to the breakout season that myself and others hoped for. And Kyle Allen was starting by week three. Okay. And that guy, I mean, the remember the air yards for Curtis Samuel that year, not converted into real yards. That was mostly the Kyle Allen season. And I mean, Nico Collins is certainly like talk about got bigger bulk than a guy like Curtis Samuel. He certainly got size on him. So hopefully he can bring some of those passes down but i like i mean davis mills stinks but i think davis mills might be a slightly better deep passer um 
than old Kyle Allen, but yeah. Uh, I forget what the number was, but Kyle Allen lost a hilarious number of yards on sacks that year. Like he just, his worst plays were so funny. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe we get Kyle Allen for the rest of the season and and none of it matters. Uh, But but I still, I'm still a believer in Nico Collins' talent and his physical traits. Um, Van Jefferson, huh? Anybody excited about Van Jefferson? I'm not really, I don't. I don't have anything great to say about the Rams offense generally, but uh, we, we now know that there's no Allen Robinson for the rest of the year. Um, Cooper Cup still on IR. So it, it's like Tyler Higby and Van Jefferson and Kyron Williams is what that offense is going to be made of. Ugh. Um, Richie James, he scored a touchdown, saw six targets, and the targets have to go somewhere for New York. So he's out there. It's possible that the player that interests me most on this entire list, um, just in terms of future value, not necessarily week 13 value, but it's probably Sky Moore. He's the last guy I'll mention. Um, this, is, this is back-to-back games with six targets for Sky Moore. Yes, some of it is a function of, of injuries elsewhere, but he, he's caught most of them, right? He's like good, another yeah. five-catch game. Had a couple game. of big he's, plays called back uh, in this yes, game against yeah. the Rams, too. Yeah, a um, couple of like negated by penalty. Uh, like that line could have looked really good. That was another uh, over that we hit on the show, by the way. Oh, um, I was ready. Yeah. I was ready to be so furious if if like he had those early plays called back and he <laughs> went, you know, 20 yards and I didn't hit my prop and you hit your stupid Amari Cooper one. Uh, <laughs> In the 70th minute. Yeah. Yeah. Was ready to, yeah, was ready so- to be absolutely disgusted. But yeah, no, I agree with you that Sky Moore has looked good. He's looked good. Yeah, a guy seeing a half dozen targets from Patrick Mahomes um, should be on the fantasy radar. And, and reasonably, somebody in any 12-team league should have a use for, for a guy like that, for that profile. He's, you know, we're, we're really, we're getting into the, to the time of year in fantasy where, like, depth doesn't mean anything anymore, right? Like, we're, we're coming right. into the playoffs. We're, for some of you, it's already effectively the playoffs, and we're really close to it. And so, like, the idea that, oh, I got to have depth at all these spots, and, and I got to cover these buys and all that, like, all that is out the window. And everything that you want on your bench right now, you just want them to be lottery tickets, where, like, if they get an totally. opportunity, they can blow up. And that is Sky Moore. Well, if he can ever surpass Justin Watson, what, what, what is the deal with Justin Watson, man? I mean, like he plays a ton. He doesn't get targeted. He, I mean, he has like one splash play per game. He's like, he is like a, um, the jump. He's the jumped the shark version of MVS. Like that's literally what he is. (laughs) And uh, it's, it's bizarre to me, but yeah, no, Sky Moore looks good when he's out there and the chiefs just have a rotation they like. And yeah, I, I, I think he's probably more of a 23 guy, but I agree with you. You should be on the, on the radar. Um, by the way, Kyle Allen lost 397 yards due to sacks that year, which is notable <laughs> because he led the NFL in that category and he only started 12 games for the Carolina yeah. Panthers. Would you like to guess? Who, <laughs> would you out. like to guess? Would you like to guess who number two was, uh, in sacks lost that year? Oh, wow. Um, that's a, that's a good one. Um, it wasn't, was it Mitch? Oh, no. Uh, no, it was not Mitch. Uh, Mitch was 13th in the NFL in, in yards lost due to sacks. Uh, it was Russell Wilson. <laughs> of course. But but probably like 100 fewer yards, something like that. Yeah, 319 for Russell Wilson in 16 yeah. games. 397 yards. 397 in 12 games is you're doing some work. Yeah, you're doing a lot of work. Um, Kyle Allen was 31st in QBR that year, uh, ahead of only Mason Rudolph, who the Steelers tried to <laughs> gaslight into like really being a part of their quarterback competition this offseason. Thanks for wasting all of our Earth seconds, Pittsburgh, on that. Um, <laughs> quarterbacks and tight ends here, Andy. I- I'm already go ahead and say it. There isn't anything interesting at tight end uh, here. 
quarterbacks, obviously, you've got Jared Goff and Mike White. Um, Mike White, I think I'm mostly interested in just playing Jacoby Brissett and, like, keeping the offense on the tracks and, like, getting the ball to the dudes we care about there. But, I mean, he's certainly uh, – this is an interesting matchup he's got coming up with Minnesota. Yeah, fun matchup with Minnesota. And, like, I, I think he's – we don't really even need to talk about Jared Goff because, like, you know what you're getting with Jared Goff. It's probably 240 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And he's just one of those guys that I always write about when his when his roster percentage dips below 50. Not a, not a must-add by any means. Mike White is kind of fun. Like, he started – he started four games in his NFL career and he had 400 plus yards in the first of them. And he had, you know, 300 plus yards this past week. Again, it, dreadful defense, um, super friendly matchup, but he can just keep your offense on schedule. Like, I don't, I don't know that he has any special trait, but you know, they were like, especially the last couple of weeks with, uh, with Zach Wilson, he was he was just failing at all the all the layups that they were trying yeah. to give him right and they were they i thought they were setting him up for success and they had yep. a lot of pretty simple stuff in the offense and things that should be easy to hit and he was sailing throws and like mike white can hit all those um and and one thing that we saw from him last year was whether it was stuff that he was checking down whether it was just like design screens um he can hit all that stuff and he can take all the free yards yeah. and when we get a situation like we had in the chicago game when you know a defender falls down in the middle of the field they've got receivers that can that can house it right um garrett wilson's great you he just needs a, a competent quarterback he doesn't need i don't know he, he doesn't need patrick mahomes to, to be productive yeah. for fantasy like the the split for him between like when Zach Wilson is starting and when literally anybody else is starting this year is crazy. Um, he's been a, he's been like a wide receiver two, wide receiver one when, when it's either Flacco or white. And he's you know obviously been a total non-factor in fantasy when it's Zach Wilson. So uh, the white whole offense the... just requires a normal quarterback. I said this yes. to Scott uh, yesterday on the show and I wrote about it in care. Don't care. The recap article I do. The, this offense is uh, historically right. Like we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Why is he a uh, top five in EPA per play? If nobody, if nobody thinks he's that good, why is Nick Mullins productive? Why is your boy CJ Beathard productive when he gets in there? It's like, well, cause the offense is supposed to make life easy on the quarterback. And Zach yeah. Wilson has actively been making, you know, everybody's life worse uh, since, since he got in there. So anyways, yeah. Yeah, that Vikings game really is one like it wouldn't be that wouldn't be that shocking if that thing ended, I don't know, 31-24, 31-27, both quarterbacks have decent days, everybody that you need a fantasy contribution from goes off. Um that's a I don't I don't think that's going to be some tight low scoring game. No, totally not. Um tight ends, you just want to go through them quick and elevator pitch, I don't know. Uh yeah, the guy the guys I I wrote about were these are all guys that we've probably mentioned at some point. Um, Foster Moreau is is sort of wildly still out there in over 60% of Yahoo leagues. And I mean, we've we've experienced this before. Like when Darren Waller's out, Foster Moreau can be a thing. He has touchdowns in, in two of the last three games. Uh, Hunter Henry is coming off a game in which he scored a touchdown and I believe had one negated. Was it by replay review? I think it was. Um, yes. But like he's he's obviously a totally TD dependent player. And when he doesn't score, you're just going to get two catches for 31 yards or three catches for 33 yards or something like that. But I mean, it's a TD dependent position. Uh, so Hunter Henry is somebody who can definitely uh, find the end zone. We saw it a lot last year. And then Jordan Akins is coming off a pretty interesting game. Not a super interesting player um, and not perhaps the offense that you want to be tied to at this point. But if you're in a really deep league, uh, he's at least somebody who might see five or six targets. 
Yep, uh, that makes sense to me. All right, let's move on to our drop candidates. You've got James Robinson here, Andy. Um, look, you guys not playing. You, you don't have him on your fantasy team. Although I'll say, Andy, any concern that like, okay, if Michael Carter misses a couple, like he misses this next game, misses a couple of weeks, like they just make James Robinson like the, the starting back because teams do do that sometimes. Yeah, I like again. I'll I'll say that uh, for whatever excitement is out there for uh, uh, Donovan Knight. Like, I think James Robinson can do all of that. I, I, I didn't really see anything on Sunday that I don't think James Robinson can do. So I, I think he's fine. Um, but there's, I mean, if you're if you're struggling with whether to to drop someone or keep someone who was just a healthy scratch, like in a in a game that the team needed, right? Like I I think he can be, I think he can be sent packing. Um, I don't think there's any scenario where James Robinson is like a full workload guy for that team rest of season. Yeah, I think that's just like the reality. I, I, it's they traded for him. That's great. It just hasn't really been kind of coming together um, there for old James Robinson in New York. Um, I'll, I'll nominate any Raven as a as a drop right now. Obviously, outside of Mandrews. By the way, ever since I feel like uh, Dalton and I started calling him Mandrews, he started getting hurt. Uh, so tough scene there. <laughs> I think you can hold on to Gus. Obviously, Lamar is a hold, but like <laughs> Lamar Jackson since uh week four has eight touchdowns eight total touchdowns absolutely absurd like he's not a guy that's really uh i mean i I think he is if you have him you're you're starting him whatever but he's certainly not like an elite fantasy quarterback right now and i could hear a case that you should start deshaun watson this week over lamar jackson i i think that's i think that's viable uh and then all the receivers like i had hope for devin duvernay being a guy but like dude they're throwing Patrick Ricard a bunch of like a screen pass on second their third down passing game absolutely sucks like he what is uh Robinson's four four catches in his last three games no thanks and Demarcus Robinson uh Duvernay I said should I should say has four catches in his last three games and then yeah Demarcus Robinson like he has that massive game against Carolina nine for nine 128 yards and then he has one catch for 17 against the Jags like you, you can miss me with the rest of the Ravens passing game yeah, we we mentioned it last week because I I felt like we had to mention Demarcus Robinson in the pickups uh, because he was already like the most added receiver in the game. That just that just screamed that it was going to be the most productive game that he was going to have for maybe the yeah. rest of his career and certainly for the rest of the season. Right? Like he's just not a guy who's going to give you eight nine catches moving forward and you just build the entire passing game around him. Um, that was never going to happen. I I can tell you as someone who has Lamar in a lot of leagues, uh, this, this has been a rough ride. And he is definitely like, some of them are still good team. Like he, you know, we, we reached a, we reached a point in the, in the Jags game where, um, it, you know, like the passing numbers were fine, uh, you know, and the brushing totals were obviously great. You know, it's a, they're always great. He was over 50 yards pretty early in that game. But um, the absence of any touchdowns recently is really good. That's really going to be a problem. And the team is like good, and the offense is still from like a, a statistical perspective good. But yikes, man! I mean, this season, I, and obviously Lamar is super frustrated. So um, there's there's a lot going on there, and uh, nothing good, pretty much, is the way I'd look at it uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. So yeah, that's a team I'm I'm about ready to, to get rid of uh, in fantasy. Hold on, loosely candidates, Andy. You have you have the obvious one who I would have loved to put in the outline if I was a uh, if I was a prepared person and had accessed it early. I did not. You had already claimed this player. 
Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting questions already about Damian Pierce. Um, did did some radio on Monday and took two questions about whether it was time to drop Damian Pierce. Um, and I get that you're disappointed with the last two weeks. He has something like 15 rushing yards on 14 carries over the last seven quarters. Uh, he I was, think it's 15 he was, carries for 16 yards, but either way, it's it's no more than 16 yards on the ground. I, either that. way, it's almost a one to one ratio of carries <laughs> to yards, which is not what you're looking for. Uh, he, he was vultured by Dare Gunbowale on, on Sunday. Not great, um, you know. It, by the end of the game, a lost game for for Houston. Obviously, uh, they were Oof. they were split in series. Um, he's, he's still the guy who ran through and all over Philadelphia, right? Like he's still the guy who is, who is at or near the top of the, the leaderboards in all the, all the fun elusiveness stats, right? Like he's piling up missed tackles. He's, he's a really good back. Um, I, you know, is it a question of, of, has he hit a rookie wall of some sort? Perhaps he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like necessarily a high volume guy at the, at the college level. There may be a little bit of that. Obviously he's the he's literally the only dangerous element of that offense. So he is certainly experiencing life, uh, as, as the player that defenses scheme to, to stop. That is an issue for him. He's got a relatively friendly matchup this week though. Um, so I'd, I, you know, he's, he's staring down Cleveland and like, okay, if it doesn't work against Cleveland, you can be concerned. Yeah. If you've got great options, you can maybe send him to the bench. But I, I still believe that the upside for for Damian Pierce is is absolutely ridiculous in any given week. I can also tell you that there is no one that we have mentioned as a pickup on this show that I would even consider adding uh, while sending uh, Damian Pierce to the to the wire. That just should not happen. Yeah, Rex Burkhead in the concussion protocol as a Monday morning too. Maybe I think it'd be just be great if they could get him a little bit more involved in the passing game because that's the biggest problem right now is that mm-hmm. he gets game scripted out so fast. Yes. And like, yeah, they've got games like the Browns. I definitely think can blow out the Texans. And you know, if he doesn't do it against Cleveland, like even if he has a good matchup against Cleveland, how can you possibly feel good about like throwing out a dude that has 16 rushing yards over the last two weeks? You <laughs> you, you cannot you cannot do that. Um, yeah, and, and then. They've got games against Dallas. They've got games against Kansas City, like on the on the schedule left. So there's some. They've got a Titans game in there too, and like the Titans took them to the woodshed without a real NFL quarterback a couple of weeks ago. So like, it's just it's tough if you have Damian Pierce. Like you led you to this point, but you might want to think about finding other guys to take you the rest of the way. Uh, but I wouldn't drop. My agree with you. I think I think he needs to stay on rosters. My guy's Kareem Hunt, who has done. Like I always, I always kind of bulk at the idea of like, oh, Kareem Hunt is like a flex play in addition to having great contingent value. Well, he hasn't scored a touchdown <laughs> since week seven when he scored two against the Baltimore Ravens. He's not topped 45 rushing yards since that point. He has one game with just more than two catches, but I still think he has great contingent value. If Nick Chubb gets hurt, like he'd be yeah. awesome to have. Like, so you got to keep him on rosters, but he's not like a, he's not a usable player. Like he's not a flex with benefits guy. He's not like what Tony Pollard was before Tony Pollard was what he is now. He just is a guy you need to keep stashed on your roster and not, not hate drop because he hasn't done anything lately. Yeah. This is what we were describing earlier about like just what I want my bench to be late in the season. I just, I just want it to be uh, lottery ticket players and, and hunt still fits that description. I, I can't afford for anything to happen to Nick Chubb. I got Nick Chubb everywhere. Yeah, no, I'm not. Hey, I, I, yeah, no, 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 no. I'll be screwed if that happens as well. And, and at least yeah, one team I really, really care. Absolutely. About. One of my favorite players. I, I, I think it might be the most, most dynamic runner in the league. A thrill to watch. Uh, nothing can happen to Nick Chubb or wrap him in bubble and all that. Um, but Kareem hunt could, would be in a tremendous situation if anything did happen, which again, hey, it can't. 
A little bit of breaking news here uh, right before we end the show. Two-time Pro Bowl running back, according to Tom Pelissero. I mean, not that that is true. He is a two-time Pro Bowl running back. But according to Tom Pelissero, uh, Melvin Gordon is expected to sign with the Chiefs practice squad. So relatively interesting little spot for uh, Melvin Gordon. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco has played really well. But um, and then Ronald Jones got playing time. And I was like, oh, Forgot about Ronald Jones. Didn't even know he was wearing number two. Well, good for Ronald Jones. <laughs> even caught a pass there for a second. But uh, interesting little spot for Melvin Gordon to land in. Um, if he's on waivers, sure, I would add him. But, I mean, I, I don't know that he's going to have a big role. Obviously, that remains to be seen. Probably tells us something more about CEH, and he's probably I much agree. more of a threat to Ronald Jones than he is to Pacheco. I think that's probably the right way to look at it. But uh, just to, something to keep an eye on there. I, I don't think Melvin Gordon's like a real big uh, – needle mover um and speaking of not moving the needle i don't have big treviso babes updates this week i like i've said a few a few times the last few shows man you know they're the babes are starting to get like i mean there were some aggressive drops like you know mildly aggressive but like deontay johnson got dropped you know like brandon cooks um drake london but like i could hear arguments for why those dudes got dropped you know they weren't like insano crazy drops uh kathy was ahead of the curve and dropped james robinson before he was even a healthy scratch so shout out to kathy on that one um the only real thing i have to say is um i think my mom's gonna make the playoffs so pretty good about that and secondly i think jerry judy's gonna go down as the guy with the most transactions in this in this league he was (laughs) as i mentioned (laughs) as i mentioned leslie dropped him on the last show somebody's picked him up and i'm pretty sure he's gonna get dropped again denise picked him up uh, and I'm pretty sure that Denise will be dropping him this week. So do we, Jerry who Judy. are the top seeds right now? Playoffs started today. Who would they be? Oh, give me a second here. Well, I mean, obviously we still have a few things to be decided by, um, you know, Monday or Monday night football, stuff like that. But right now the top seeded teams, the top, oh man, do only four teams make the playoffs in this league. That can't be right. That can't be well. That might be that right. happens. Uh, okay, well, if the, it, Leslie and Julie would would face each other, and then Terry and Jess would face each other in two playoff games uh, if the season started today. So uh, no, well, I we am, can't I have guess. your mom on the outside looking in. Oh great, yeah, that's she's gonna be so mad at me if that happens. Well, she's gonna win this week. She blew away Terry, who was a a, a great team, 120 points for old for Bev's team, thanks to her son who told her to make sure she gets Keenan Allen uh, in the roster and Rashad White over Damian Pierce, who she had been riding for quite some time. So good shout call, out to good me. Call. Looks like uh, I will be getting a return phone call this week from my mother. Uh, so that is good to see. But yeah, I got I got to make sure we got to make sure she makes playoffs in the league, man. It's not going to be fun if she does not. So she really cares. I mean, she cares about fantasy now, which is first time ever. So we shall see. We shall see what happens the rest of the way. All right, Andy. That's all our Treviso Babes updates. That's all for the entire show. Packed show here. Big show. A lot of stuff we covered. If you want to see more great things covered, of course, you can follow Andy Barons on Twitter at Andy Barons if you don't already. If you don't already, what are you doing with your life? You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Our buddy Chris Harris has a new intro music uh, for me on his show that I did this morning, and it's a big, it's all boy, young boy, like is the premise of it. Like, my God, this curse that JJ Zacharyson put on me years ago is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. But yes, I am still underscore BYB. And while you're there, of course, make sure you follow Yahoo Fantasy as well. You will not regret it. Austin Eckler will be back tomorrow to talk about the Chargers win over the Arizona Cardinals. Can't wait to break down that uh, two-point conversion play with him. I, ha- I mean, If he wants to, I hope he wants to, because I got a lot of thoughts. Until then, we're out.